Good morning. You're listening to Drinking Socially, the official Untapped podcast. Your weekly look into what's happening in the Untapped community and the world of beer. This episode is brought to you by Untapped and the Untapped merch store. Use coupon code PODCAST to get 20% off your next purchase at store.untapped.com. And I'm Harrison, and I feel like a kid again today. Well, I mean, most days I I feel like a kid, but even maybe more so today. (laughs) Why? Because surprise beer, that's why. Uh, Hopefully, as you guys have seen, if you're following us on Twitter at That Beer Podcast, John and I, we've been drinking a new surprise beer out of our uh, beer advent box each day since the start of December. And today, we're finally going to actually drink one together. So, ooh! And uh, and John actually he grabbed it ahead of times to uh, you know for obvious logistical reasons. So I'm excited to learn right now live on camera what the heck we're going to be enjoying tonight. John, what do we uh, what do we got? But a but a but a but a but that's a terrible drum roll. <laughs> it's a barrel Tonight's ball. Beer, Grand Crew. Okay. From Evil Twin Brewing. This is our ninth beer from our Advent box yeah. and. If you want to see the surprise happen in real time, again, follow us. Make sure you're following us online. But this is one of many Evil Twin beers. It's one of the only ones with a name short enough to write on a post-it note, That's though. That's a good observation. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. So they call this monster Grand Crew. Um, it's it's listed on Untapped as a strong ale, mm. and reasonably so. It comes out of the can at 12.5% ABV, so good night, Harrison. Mm. Um, the only notes we get from Evil Twin are that it's a maple bourbon barrel-aged stout blended with a barley wine style ale blend. That's a tongue twister. It is. Uh, so a maple bourbon stout and a barley wine mixed together. I can see it on your face, Harrison. Uh, I'm going to let you take the first sip on this one. I'm going to pour this in my glass and get to it as soon as I can. Yeah, exactly. Mine jumped out a little bit, so... Oh, man. But it's, I mean, bourbon on the nose. Bourbon nose, unmistakable. Obviously, Mike, reading it right, as you said, John, it's kind of, it's a a maple bourbon barrel-aged stout and barley wine-style ale blend. So I was kind of curious what it would look like. It looks like a big old stout, but let's see what it tastes like. Yeah, it's it's dark. I didn't get a lot of head on the pour, but the nose smells like uh, smells like a man you want to take advice from. <laughs> a learned man, man yeah. with many stories, a man who's smart to say the answers aren't in books. Books give you more questions. The answers are in the world, and then he shows you the world. Um, uh, this is to- <laughs> so this is inspiring. I guess this beer. That's what it tastes like. It tastes like knowledge. No, it tastes like. Um, it's 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 um my first thought is like it's a paste it's like a pastry stout that's not overly sweet because the bourbon caramel happens right away um and it's like dark fruit is happening in here it really kind of tastes like a stout more than anything i mean i'm i'm kind of hunting for the barley wine which really may just i mean you could argue that like a barley wine and a stout are you know, some you know black patent malt away from each other, or an imperial stout rather. Like it's they they can be very close in recipe. But um, uh, right there you are. More drums from John. Uh, he'll be here all night. Just hold it, <laughs> hold it down the pocket. Um, but uh, <laughs> but um, yeah. So I'm getting tons of stout noses. Like I, right now, first sips, I wouldn't 
be able to kind of pick the barley wine out of here. And that was my other question is what kind of barley wine are we talking about? He's, you know, like American style English, but what do you, have you taken a sip time? What are you, what are you getting? I am. And I'm getting, I'm getting similar results, right? The nose, I think the nose tells you what's going to happen. And on this one, it's, I don't, I don't get much of the maple. It just, it tastes like a, like a, like an angry dark beer in a good way. Mm, yeah. uh, sorry. It doesn't ta- smell. Well, no, it tastes like that too. Yeah. Um, I get, <laughs> just like you said, right in the beginning, you get that kind of familiar bourbon. I think your point of a pastry stout, but then dialed down, which I guess is just a stout, um, with maybe some flavors, but I don't, and, and, and I get this a lot from evil twin. Their recipe lists sometimes read like, like half of a grocery aisle and it's right. like these amazing, like strawberry lemonade beers and stuff. But they do a really good job of putting a beer out that isn't too much. Like this is twelve percent. I'm not going to drink four of these, but the fl- it's quaffable, right? Yeah, it is. It almost tastes. Now I'm just getting. You said maple, and I forgot about that. But now maybe you've incepted me once again. It almost tastes like a bunch of like bourbony waffles. If I if I can take a step back in time. Yes. Um, there, there's some definite yeah. bourbon waffles happening here with the maple and the the fact that it's, you know, made of grain originally as are most waffles, although now you can get them made out of like sorghum grass and dehydrated, you know, potatoes and stuff. It's a wild time to be alive and eat waffles. But um, yeah, it's there's like a, I mean, I could, I wouldn't, well, yeah, let's not go ahead of myself. I could drink this at breakfast with a bunch of waffles and be like, oh, I'm the smartest man in the world and then take a long nine-hour nap uh, and be satisfied with myself. Really, what I want is to sit on this, as you should, with any 12.5% beer and see what happens. I mean, right I just know from drinking a fair amount of beer professionally, mostly with you, John, that this is the time is going to tell a different story with this guy. So this will be fun to kind of revisit tonight as we... uh, Go through the rest of the cast, revisit this uh, this beer because it's going to change. We're going to be talking about different stuff at the end of the podcast when it comes to what's uh, going on in here for sure. Yeah, really excited to let this warm up and to age one. Uh, I think that was a great. I don't think I've. It's been maybe five percent of the barley wines I drank the year they were canned or yeah. bottled. Yeah. And this at twelve percent, I think this would this would probably smooth out really nicely if you if you sat on it for a little bit. Oh, for sure. But it's ah, you know what I forgot to do was to check the canned on date, and it's hard yeah, to do I that to... with the can open. Yep. Yeah, this one reads really nice and easy. It's one dash a u t a c hyphen alphanumerics. So let's pretend this was canned this year, yeah, and it's a little bit fresher, so you get a lot more of that. Like it's almost kind of bitter at the finish for it, me, it, and right. I expect even that'll go away as it warms up too. It could, yeah, and right, yeah. The kind of the questions abound for me. I got a little bit of that bitterness as well. Is it coming from the malt and the stout? Is it coming from the wood? It was bourbon barrel aged in. Is it coming from the hops of the barley wine side of this? It's kind of hard to tell right now. Um, yep, a lot of trickery. Even like you mentioned earlier, the dark fruit flavor, which. Yeah which probably is nowhere near this, but because of like the bourbon and the rich wood sort of tobacco-iness, it's mm-hmm. easy for me to pretend that I'm getting like fig jam in there or something. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Fig jam. That's what I get. The dark fruit. I mean, I love that in a stout. It's kind of what I hope for every time I crack one open. 
So this has been cool. Well, this is awesome. What a fun, it's been a blast drinking all these beers this month so far. Excited for more. You know, when Becca handed me the box, she kind of chuckled a little bit, so I'm worried that maybe some booby traps in there, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see. You gotta follow us on Twitter to watch. We right, probably step right in one, but uh, whatever. It's all part of the experience. I know, I know <laughs> Becca picked this beer from experience. She's had, I think she's checked into it a few times as well. Okay. And it, um, it, so it's, so let's, Usually at this point we introduce uh, kind of a, a BJCP style guideline. Yeah, and we're gonna let's see what happens here, Harrison. But let's. on Untapped we have this listed as a strong ale, mm-hmm. and uh, in the BJCP there's like a large American strong ale category that holds a few different beers. Sure. You'll find like Great Lakes Nosferatu mm. beer is right next to Terrapin's Big Hoppy Monster. Hmm. And those are incredibly different than this uh, 12% monster we're drinking. Is is the strong ale category, like, is it less defined so that you have sort of a, a place to put your beers that aren't made to a specific recipe? Is that... Yeah, I mean, that's a great... That's pretty much right. You've hit the nail on the head there, is that it's... We've kind of shared this story before that when, uh, as a good example of this, when Stone first came out with Sublimely Self-Righteous, which you, we should all know is like a black IPA, it was just listed as an American strong ale because what the heck is this? It's a really hop-forward, dark beer. Well, it kind of fits under the broad category of American strong ale, so let's let it live there. And then, of course, we all know the kind of explosion of black IPAs that happened really like right after that, and, and I think in response to it. So um, that's just one example. But yeah, it's, it's I see it as an umbrella category. Um, you know, like right. So like Nosferatu from Great Lakes, great example. That's it's an Imperial Red Ale, but an Imperial Red Ale is also an American Strong Ale. Like there, are, it fits under the same category. Uh, you're really just kind of getting a little more specific when you say it's an Imperial Red, um, but you're not wrong to call it an American Strong. So they're all just gonna kind of live together. And again, it's the umbrella that encompasses really, uh, I think as the, the BJCP puts it, it's it's got like, you know, what is it? Like, um, like a kind of like an alcohol percentage range. I mean, the overall kind of impression of an American Strong Ale is, um, you know, the, like the strong full flavored American Ale, Challenges and rewards the palate with full malty and hoppy flavors and substantial bitterness. Um, the flavors are bold but com- complementary and are stronger and richer than average strength pale ales and amber American So that's like so many things. It's just, and again, by yeah. definition, broad. Um, and I think you're right, John. It's to kind of, if you have something new and a little bit different, let it live in American Strong Ale and kind of see how people react to it. And then maybe it'll find a home somewhere else later. But um, it's always a fun category because you're right. It can be like anything. It can. It's such so broad. like saying it's right. a beer, right? I mean, it really is, and and it's kind of just saying like it's a beer that's above you know eight percent, and like <laughs> that's almost it. Um, so and of course, a lot of beers fall into that category. So it's always fun when that's out when, and really nowadays with so many subcategories of beers. Um, you know, West Coast IPA, New England, hazy pale ales, all that stuff. If something is introduced to me as an American strong ale, it's almost kind of exciting. Like maybe this is the next crazy style that we'll all be drinking and every brewery will be brewing in a couple months because it's a, it's a new thing and that can be its own own style of beer. So I'm always curious about 
anything interesting me as an American strong because maybe it's just the beginning of the next you know black IPA or, or what have you. That's a really good point. Like we put it here because it doesn't have a home yet. When uh, well, I know we mentioned Great Lakes Nosferatu, I feel like we should have it on the show oh, sometime. We now. will. It's, we will mentioned it more more right. more times than you should say Nosferatu's <laughs> name. Um, when Great Lakes first released that beer in the early '90s, so we're wow. talking Buffalo Bill Super Bowl era, Michael ah, Jordan. Yes, this was a long time ago <laughs> for some of you listeners. But when they first released it, it was just simply classified as a stock ale, Um, which is maybe even more vague than American Strong. And eventually it evolved into Imperial Red. Um, But it's it it is like it's a I I, I like your point of it's sort of a catch all for beers that don't have a specific category. But you can find some really exciting stuff in there uh, because sometimes that's where you have to put it. We uh, so. Evil Twin lists this, it labels it as Grand Crew. Mm-hmm. Yes. And this was something I remember when you asked me about it, Harrison, like this is maybe even just as more vague than American <laughs> Strong. So Grand well, Crew has a place in the world. It From France, it means great growth. But really when you see Grand Crew, it's a wine terminology. Right. Uh, you would get... Uh, your vineyard would get certified as Grand Crew, which puts it about as, as good as you can get as the terroir to grow your grapes on. There are right now 17 wineries or regions in, inside of France, or villages inside of France that are certified as Grand Crew. Yeah. And the, the, like the French winemaking rules infinitely more strict right. than how you label your beers um so that it's, it's incredibly uh tallied and black and white and their certifications and here we are in beer where grand crew like you're not growing grapes for beer unless you're dogfish head or, or you right. know sometimes right. you might but yeah. for beer on grand crew harrison is there any i know you're kind of familiar with it um, you know, we did some research on Untapped. You know, you can see Hogarden makes uh, or Who Garden makes a Grand Crew. Uh, Trogues does Mad Elf, and they do a Grand Crew version of Mad Elf. Right. And we can anybody that's drank Mad Elf knows it's not it's not a a, a bourbon barrel aged stout barley wine blend. So there's some huge disparity there, Harrison. Can you help us tie that together as well? Yeah, and you know you're you're. Point is well taken about it being broad again, similar to an American strong ale, but this one is, you know, as far as I, I understand it, I've experienced it. It's it's a little more focused in that Grand Crus are almost always going to be like a Belgian or Belgian inspired, and they're oftentimes blended, um, and that's 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 going to be a, a through line. Now it's not mandatory. I mean, I've seen breweries have like a an anniversary ale that's their Grand Cru that's a double IPA. I think what it's really trying to highlight is like, you know, this is our, we're putting, we're giving forth to you as this brewery an amazing beer. Um, it can be sometimes used as, as that and, and, you know, whatever the style of beer is doesn't really matter, but by and large, they're going to be either Belgian beers or Belgian inspired, um, beers. And, and oftentimes they're put out like year over year, maybe not even every year. Um, for example, Rodenbach, they are one of my you know favorite breweries. Um, they have a Grand Cru that comes out like kind of not at the brew at the brewery's discretion. Like they'll 
go into the barrels of aged, you know, Rodenbach and pick it out and blend stuff together and realize, great, we've got a good blend here of, you know, something from 20 years ago, something from 10 years ago, and let's release it uh, this year as the, the Grand Cru this year. Or maybe let's, this the two, like the one that I loved when I lived in Philadelphia was their Grand Cru uh, from 2007. So it's Rodenbach's Grand Cru 2007, but that wasn't re- released and it wasn't added to Untapped actually in, until 2014. So that was a beer that sat in barrels for seven years before anyone got to to taste it outside of the brewery and then they bottled it and it was like kind of everywhere for like a hot minute and every time i saw it i grabbed it because it was just an amazing (laughs) kind of flanders red and um yeah so so that's a pretty classic example it's a belgian you know brewery it's a flanders red ale it's aged it's um it might have been blended uh a little bit but um yeah, so it can be a, a fair amount of things, but usually Belgian or Belgian-inspired is going to be a part of it. Flying Fish out of New Jersey, they do like yeah. a quadruple every... or I think it's it might be a quad every year, but it's a Belgian beer that they label as their Grand Cru. Um, so again, it doesn't have to be in Belgium. You could be inspired by the brewing traditions and brew some Grand Cru's up in the States, but almost all of them I've seen have been... Again, have some kind of Belgian heritage to it, which is... Makes sense. And yeah, it's usually more alcoholic. Now, Rodenbach's Grand Cru is just 6%, but I've seen them, again, quads, 10, 11%. Right there, the range of alcohol is going to vary, um, too. That's not really as, as important. Um, so we yeah. Usually when we talk about, when we go through the BJCP, I think the intent is to kind of hopefully educate you guys and girls a little bit about, and ourselves, really, as we research some of them, like... If you're calling a beer a farmhouse ale, there's a certain set of parameters it has to meet. And for American Strong, those parameters are, are a little bit grayer. Um, and for Grand Cru, they're almost non-existent. In fact, non-existent. There is no like right, certified no Grand certified. Cru style Correct. of beer. But some easy takeaways are you're probably going to drink something that the brewery has put a lot of time into, whether it's blended or barrel aged or it's, it comes from maybe the same place that the winery grand crew comes from in that like, this is the best we can do right now. Um, and you'd be lucky or, uh, advantageous to buy a bottle or two, drink one. And I would imagine most of them are built to age pretty well. Yep. Yeah, they should be. Um, and so, Harrison, I don't mean to th- uh, th- throw you on the spot, throw you on the tracks, run you over with a bus. Let's see None what of happens. those work. Please don't. <laughs> but uh, I know that Sierra Nevada did something like a Grand Crew a while ago with a name. And when I think of Sierra Nevada or Sierra Nevada, I think of you first. Are you familiar mm-hmm. with that beer? It was like Hog Hogfoot. I know what you're. T- like I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So this is. This was so in, in, in kind of that's a cool thing to bring up right now because right I was been thinking about this beer since drinking tonight's beer where it's a bourbon barrel aged stout again blended with a barley wine Sierra Nevada and Avery did something kind of similar in 2017 you can find it on Untapped is the beer camp across the world dry hopped barley wine style ale which came in their kind of beer camp um, across the world mixed 12 pack which was so cool to get 12 different beers collaborated with 12 different breweries all over the world. I think Garage Project, I think it was the one they did with Garage Project, had like a smoked porter with them. 
I think and, I remember that. Right. I, yep. I now wish yep. I bought more. I know, right? So that was an awesome. I hope, I mean, if you, I hope if you guys, you know, remember, were able to grab it. So many beers in there were so good. But the one that I remember the most was one that Sierra Nevada and Avery did together, where they blended the two barley wines. They're known really well for Avery, of course, Hog Heaven, which their head brewer basically admitted, like, I drank Bigfoot and was like, I'm just going to try and make this beer. Uh, Sierra Nevada's Bigfoot, like, this is so good. So they, um, so Hog Heaven and then Sierra Nevada's Bigfoot blended it together, uh, dry hopped it, and then bottle uh, conditioned it. And in kind of like the brewing circles, this was termed like, or known as Big Hog or Hogfoot, which I think is hilarious and two great band names. So if they don't exist, that one's on the house today out there, all you uh, you noodlers. But um, but yeah, it, it was just, a, again, same kind of ideas that beer we're doing tonight. Not a, not a grand crew, but a blend of two beers, a little more similar than the ones we're drinking this evening, but it was just so memorable. And, and I it's one of the first beers I was thinking of when I'm bringing anything that's been blended together. So I had it. I even let it sit for a little bit um, when I got it. It was the last beer I drank out of that box. I think I let it sit for like four or five months or so, knowing it was bottle conditioned and, and it was a barley wine. And it was just like, it was magical. I mean, it was so like flavorful and exciting and it changed the drink it much like uh, the beer tonight. So yeah, that was definitely one that uh, I am glad we, I'm glad it would return to the front of my mind this evening because it's been a while since I thought about it. but. Holy cow, Bunga Delicious. And let's jump into this beer we're drinking this evening a little bit more on Untapped for Evil Twin Brewing's Grand Cruise. So if you look at kind of the the quick hits about it, it's, there's more than 5,000 total check-ins of it. So not tiny, but also not like tens of thousands of people have had this, so pretty cool. Um, but over four point, almost a 4.2 bottle cap rating. So everyone else is really enjoying it as we are this evening. And, you're, and we're, we see it everywhere. If you look at Untapped, it's in New Jersey, it's in Nevada, but it's also in Limburg. It's in Sweden. I think John said he saw it at uh, the Broken Dreams Hotel Bar, uh, which is pretty cool. So, and, and if you know an Evil Twin, you know they again they they're they're kind of all over the world, um, and they actually brew their beers all over the world. They've kind of hand selected ten breweries they love to brew their beers out of, um, which is a really cool kind of business model, in that. As a beer consumer, you have a really good chance of if you're drinking an Evil Twin beer anywhere that it's really fresh because it may come, even if, you know, Evil Twin, you know them as being the kind of headquartered in, in Brooklyn, New York, you know, they may have a brewery in your state or in your city, even if that city is, you know, somewhere in Europe. So, or maybe working with a brewery there, I should say. So they're just contracting with breweries all over the world uh, to make these awesome beers and being very... Um, you know, obviously um, smart about who they're letting brew these these awesome recipes. So uh, but I thought that was pretty cool. Not many breweries do that. Certainly that scale. I mean, kind of gypsy brewing and contract brewing was a really big deal like 10 years ago or so. But in terms of breweries that kind of keep doing it, um, there really aren't many that do it for as long as Evil Twin has. And they've really definitely making it work uh, for them. And I think the beer consumer is better for it because you're just getting a, a great fresh product anywhere uh, you enjoy their beer. All right, so let's jump into some fun, goofy stuff as, we're, we, as we tend to do here. It's that time, folks. It's another Would You Rather, and today's is a doozy. It's very fitting for uh, what we're doing this evening. 
Someone asked John this question, which is is kind of uh, the the theme of the night, if you will. So, John, would you rather know what you're drinking or be surprised at first sip? Kind of like we were this evening. So, every time you have a beer, you know what it is. Or every time you have a beer, who knows what the heck this thing is? What, what say you? Are you trusting the fates or are you... Living on boring old Easy Street where you know everything and there are no surprises. Boring means old nothing. Easy Street. <laughs> um, that's it. Actually, I kind of like this would you rather because there isn't, it's not like would you rather uh, lose <laughs> all your hair or lose one of your arms. It's a little bit easier. Right. Or is um, it? But it's so. Any any person should be romantically drawn to like every time I drink a beer, it's a surprise. That's magical. Yeah. But no one ever goes to their favorite tap room and says, I don't know, pour me whatever you want. I'll figure it out when I sip it. Um, hmm. So for me, like I love surprises. And if it were food, if we were going mm. to a restaurant... I yes. would say, surprise me, send me anything you want, I yeah. promise. Don't make it like a bowl full of capers. Anything else, <laughs> and I'm excited as heck to right. eat it. No spoon. Here's your capers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, the, the method is just face down in the bowl. That's right. And let asleep. me know when you need help. <laughs> For beer, uh, this is, I can't in good conscience. I want to say I'd love to be surprised. Even when we do the Advent box, I pull the beer out and I'm surprised, sometimes excitedly, sometimes uh, excited about the experience I'm about to have That's that it. I didn't volunteer for. Sure. Um, <laughs> but I always kind of, I know when I can brace myself for that first sip, like, oh my gosh, is this going to be uh, a really weird beer that I wouldn't normally enjoy? Right. So anyways, I'm beating around the bush. I... I couldn't, I would have to know what beer I'm drinking. Um, and it, it would eliminate the surprise. But for me, uh, sometimes I'm, I'm really picky, like without any reasoning at all. Sometimes I really just want, I want a, a bitter West coast, kick my face IPA. Right, right, right. And sometimes I don't. So I wouldn't be <laughs> able to relinquish that in good conscience. Um, I know I took forever answering that, Harrison. What, what about you? Uh, any inkling on your end um, on what you'd be willing to commit to for the rest of your life? Yeah, I know, right. And that's the 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 weightedness of this, right? That like everything's a surprise, which kind of sounds exhausting. It reminds me, I'm going to date myself slightly, of the Pink Panther movies with Kato always hiding and his assistant always hiding in his apartment to train him by attacking him and surprising him every time he came home so that the Pink Panther or the Inspector Clouseau could become uh, better whatever at defending himself and Kato always won. That would be stressful and exhausting to walk every day, walk into maybe a fist fight. So I'm glad it's not that on the table, but that right, if be surprised all the time, clearly could take a toll. However, you brought up a really, a lot of really great points. Your anecdote about going to a brewery and saying, pour me whatever, shot up another memory we've already talked about tonight for me of um, Sublime Self-Righteous where that is exactly what I did. I walked into my kind of neighborhood bar at the time, TJ's in Drinkery and Paoli PA, and was like, hey, Scott, pour me, what should I have? What am I having tonight? And he was like, oh, you are having this. And that's how I discovered that beer. And I've always been, I don't do that all the time, 
but I wish I did it more because as I kind of advance in years, all I really want to do is drink like IPAs or a Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, and that makes me very boring. So you've been a great friend, John, and giving me cool beers that I wouldn't normally drink where when I open them up, I'm like, holy cow, why why was I counting this out? Um, so I think I like need more surprises. My wife will tell you that I would, I'll eat a grilled cheese every day until I die and be happy, and she'd be right. Who wouldn't? But right, but like, but what kind of life is that? So I think, in, you know, I've lived plenty in the I know what I'm drinking all the time camp. Why not spend the rest of my days just right kind of waiting for a beer, much like Cato to pop out from behind a door or the icebox and and have it be some kind of hibiscus sour or whatever. Maybe I love it. Um, so I think that would be exciting for me. And you're right. The rest of forever is a really long time, but... Maybe it'll, I don't know, be more enjoyable if there are, you know, so many surprises along the way. So I'm going to go for a surprise and we'll, we'll just see, see what happens next. In a, in a quick, in a quick, like one word <laughs> answer, would you rather you go into your local beer store and there's a 12 pack. One of them is marked. It says this has three ghosts, three uh, pale ales, three stouts and, and three brown ales. The other one has 12 unmarked cans. Which one do you buy? Uh, today, I mean, before before this, I guess, would you rather I'm buying the one that tells me what's in it, but now that I've committed to a life of uncertainty, I guess I'm buying the other one um, and just hoping someone hasn't made some kind of bathtub beer and found a way to can it. Um, <laughs> All 12 are the same and they're, bubble, they're real bubble. Uh, I would, I would if, if that were the case, if I could buy a 12-pack of unmarked cans, in an instant. I know that that's not legally allowed, so right. maybe they're ABV marked, but if yeah. any of you brewers are listening and you're able to package up 12 unmarked cans, I don't even care what they are. I'll buy two of them and I'll tell everyone I know to buy one of their own. That sounds like an adventure I could stand. I like that. I, and I wonder, I'm trying to think, I'm kind of, I'm sure a brewery's done it. I've just make it right 12 beers and they're just number one, number two, number three, just kind of a number on the side and a 12 pack. I think there was there was a brewery in Charlotte, uh, the unknown brewery, right next I mean, to the Panther Stadium. Right, and I don't know if they ever released it, but they were talking about doing a Russian roulette four pack. That's right. Where you had three beers that were like a regular pale ale, and the and the fourth one, which was unmarked, had a, an amazing amount of like ghost peppers and right. chilies put in. There. I remember hearing about that. I don't know if they uh, did either, but what like right? That's a great. I mean. Wolf, you come home from a 10-hour day at a crack up with a pale ale and it's habaneros in the faith and you Whoops. can't breathe, right? That's maybe you hope that's when you'll find it, though. That's how that works. But uh, but I, I love that idea. Um, and I've seen other similar things. You know, Wicked Weed did like a four-pack of different stouts where it was all the same base stout but different chocolates and, and adjuncts and stuff to it. There's yeah, a market I have it on my shelf. Okay, yep. good. So there's a market for it. There's you know, and, and I think we've kind of proved that that uh, that even though. All right, most of us do eat the grilled cheese every day. I think we all in the back of our heads wish we were, you know, living the life of D'Artagnan or Zorro or whoever. Pick your pick your swashbuckler, living a little bit more on the edge where every morning's a new adventure um, or every evening if you're talking about beer, hopefully. Every ap- mid-afternoon, we'll let you decide. No judgment. Um <laughs> Well, all right, it's cool. always five o'clock in London. That's that's. I think that's right. That's Depending. the first billboard you see when you drive in. I oh, know when you fly in. Um, 
<clears throat> All right, cool. Well, this has been a blast, guys. Today, we drank blended Imperial Stout and barley wine. We talked about how Grand Grand Cruz were uh, or are and surprised each other with our thoughts on surprises. Hmm. And if you liked it, we'll be back in seven days or next Wednesday. Um, we're doing Advent updates uh, and right. the year in beer on Untapped. Uh, is released on December yes. 14th. So yes. that's coming out before our next episode, December 14th. If you're an untapped user, you'll get basically a review of your 2020 year in beer. If your top venue isn't untapped at home, right. want to know what you do. Right, what are you doing but, exactly? <laughs> <laughs> um, but check out the year in beer, tag us and your, share it on social, share it in the Facebook group. And we'll be talking about it on our next episode, December 16th. We'll be... Um, also drinking a uh, beer that's kind of like Angry Santa's Helper next week. What does uh, what do you mean, Angry? What? What do you what do you mean? It's um, let's uh, well, okay. Who are the people that help Santa? Elves. And now, what if they were? What's another word for angry? Unhappy. Correct. We'll be drinking Trogue's <laughs> Unhappy Elf next week. <laughs> See if you can score a can or bottle of that. that sounds interesting. Um, that's uh, that'll probably be a variant next year, and I'll be the first one in line to get it. The unhappy elf, the sad elf, and right. the perhaps mad elf. Mm. Um, show notes for this show are available at podcast.untapped.com. If you have any questions or feedback, you can connect with Untapped on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can connect with Harrison and I at That Beer Podcast or join the Facebook group and share all your beautiful beer photos. Otherwise, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Cheers! Cheers!